Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker. If the only thing standing between a functioning government and corporatism is a group of 80-year-old cancer patients, the system might be broken. We are, of course, referring to the U.S. Supreme Court and the recent death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now that there's a vacancy, how should each party handle the nomination process? The GOP has the opportunity to appoint a new justice while they still have power. This is a fulfillment of years and years and years of strategy and planning and coordination and corruption. And they're not going to miss the opportunity. Of course, they're not going to miss the opportunity. They have spent years and years and years developing judges for this position. So, I mean, they have the John Burr Society. They have um, Liberty U, right? This is the Jerry Falwell place. They have lots of legal scholars out there that are just pushing these ideas. I mean, they have lawyers in high places. John Roberts is the chief justice because he was Reinquist's uh, clerk and knew exactly what he wanted to see knew exactly how to write the argument that made Bush president and fought to get basically the votes in Florida taken away. So not only did he fight to get people's right to vote removed, but he also fought to get a psychopath in office, a war criminal. And now we have that history in our hands, eight years of war criminality. Um, and now John Roberts was again appointed for his his willingness to, to play the game. And you have this everywhere you have the tiger mom who knew about Kavanaugh being a pervert but still let her daughter go be part of his crew right i mean these are conservatives who have fought for this position they convinced obama not to appoint somebody i mean this shit's pretty funny because again obama should appoint someone instead of eat shit rbg should have resigned when she first got sick so that a liberal i guess a more liberal president they're all neoliberal but instead she held out, hoping that the first female president could uh, appoint her replacement, and that did not turn out well for her. Or any of us. I mean, she lost. Now the court's going to be a 6-3 stack. Uh, it's pretty much over with. And it's Obama's legacy. It's a, it's a, thanks, Obama. It's Obama's legacy. He could have had two Supreme Court nominees, an additional. He could have had Sotomayor. He could have had X and Y. Didn't he have another one before that, too? Elena Kagan... Sotomayor. He would have had four. Kennedy wouldn't have retired. You don't think so? No. Kennedy literally retired because his fucking kid is so wrapped up in the Deutsche Bank shit that Trump is fucking entangled in that he had to, I shouldn't say he had to leave, but it was politically convenient for him to leave. Yeah. So again, Supreme Court's corrupt. Get rid of it. They're all appointed. They're all psychopaths. They don't get to those positions without favors because they're lifetime appointments. There's no checks. There's no balance. You get appointed. You get to be there forever. It's, it's all one giant political circus. So if you're the Dems and you want to prevent Trump from appointing a Supreme Court justice, what can you do? You can't do anything because you don't control the Senate. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do. So you can either cry about it, which they're going to do, or they're going to try to convince some really weak shithole conservatives that if they vote and they lied or something, the voters will be held accountable. The thing is, the voters don't give a shit. Not anybody you talk to is going to say I'm voting for X, Y, and Z because of the Supreme Court pick. Or they're going to say, I'm voting for Trump because he is a hypocrite and he slammed through yeah. judges I liked. Like, they are voting for him because they are hypocrites. Because he slammed through 245 federal judges or some nonsense, just slamming them through the door fast as hell. Obama didn't even try because, again, weak president, weak, weak outcomes. 
Trump did not care. Sent him through the door. Mitch McConnell did awful power. Didn't care. And now we have a 6-3 majority. So we're going to see things like environmental rules going away. Unions are going to be gone. I mean, I mean, I'm not talking about because this is scorchers. I'm talking about John Roberts actually probably enjoys having a 5-4 majority because he gets to be the pivotal vote and he gets to have the history to say, oh, look at how I voted. And he gets to do things like I voted 99% of the time for corporations and 1% of the time I voted for the working class. So I'm a working class hero. Yeah, I voted for the ACA. Yeah, he gets all these legacy things, but now he doesn't get those anymore because now it's 6-3. He can't be the pivotal vote because it doesn't matter. If you get five conservatives who shit all over John Roberts, it doesn't matter what he says or does. He has no power because they vote on what cases to take. He doesn't get the ability to shut things down because it's now a democracy within them. So actually for him, it's actually the worst case scenario for John Roberts, at least. Game theory wise. And, and we deeply care about John Roberts. So sad for John Roberts if he doesn't get to this. He's a class traitor. So the only thing that Dems can do is cry. And they're going to do things like, hey, uh, remember, remember that time that you were a conservative and you said you couldn't vote? And wham, wham, wham. And they're going to go, yeah, but remember that time that we weren't in power and we tricked you? And they're going to be like, oh, yeah. And then you have like the, the play-by-play of like, you know, John Stewart on The Daily Show from 15 years ago saying, oh, well, this is a politician saying A, and then here's another video of him saying the opposite of A, and everybody's getting weepy and crying, and liberal heads are exploding. And then now today you have CNN doing the literal same thing with like Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz, and like just nobody cares. It's like it doesn't matter if they lie. It's an expected thing. They're lying and they're winning, and people are voting for them because they're winning. And we don't mean winning as in like societal good, but they are on the, the side with the more votes and they're getting their judges passed, which is what their intent is, as warped as it may be. So if you're the GOP controlled Senate, when do you vote on the nomination? Do you do it before or after the election? And they can do whatever they want. I mean, they control the entire process. Let's think about it from two sides. If you're, if you're the GOP, you want to get your base up. The problem, though, is that you might lose out voters who are who want to keep that majority. I don't know how big a voting base that is. I don't think it's that many, but you're going to pump up another win. I mean, you're talking about going into an election cycle where the economy and Corona are pretty much leading the way. And if now the, the excitement is going to be over a Supreme Court pick, you can actually bleed out all that nonsense. You can actually, if you just carry it through up until the election, I think you're going to be able to hide a lot of the negativity, you know, the Corona and stuff. They could also bring in a candidate that's that's wholly unqualified, and, and maybe the news cycle is bad about you know the embarrassment of needing to, you know, withdraw the candidacy. But I think they learned a lesson the last time they tried that. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a repeat of like Kavanaugh having like great people. Um, you're going to get some, I think, boring, sterile, on paper qualified judge that you know went to some fancy law school on the East Coast that has ruling class connections, and they're just going to rubber stamp it. Checked all the boxes. Are you pro? Are you pro business? Check. Pro police? Yes. Anti black, of course. Anti voting rights? Yes. Anti disabled people? Yes. Anti environmental policies? I'm sorry. Anti regulations for businesses? Yes. Anti union, of course. Check that box. Anti uh, pro life? Yup. And once you check all those GOP boxes, you smooth. You just fly right through. There's not going to be any hard questioning. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's by design. They have a list of people that they want. They've been grooming them, like we talked about earlier, and they're just going to get. They can place whoever they want, whenever they want. So if they do it before the election, you're going to excite the base. You can probably do some uh, news cycle management of just hyping the nomination over and over and over while 
the fact that 200,000 people have died of corona kind of gets to the back seat because we have the theater of the Senate and the Supreme Court and whatever. But there is a little bit of a downside in that if we want to believe that electoralism matters, there's going to be a couple GOP senators that might have some exposure that are up for re-election uh, if they vote to nominate a judge before the election. If, if I was to ask my neighbors, you know, what, do you, what are the things you vote for? It's going to be things like uh, the economy, are my kids better off, can I go to school, student loan debt, my house, housing pricing, right, violence on the streets, drug use, all these things. They're not going to say, I don't know, a Supreme Court pick, right? They're not going to. The radicals on either side, if you find them, they're going to say Supreme Court pick. Why? Because they're into electoralism. It's their hobby. So you're talking maybe 10% of the electorate that's really engaged, who really understand I can make it number, maybe it's twenty percent. Who knows? One in five people, but that's not a big enough number to sway anything, right? Really engage both sides. I know who each person is. I know my local judges. That's a very small number, and you're never going to get there. I mean, the fact that Susan Collins needs to never win Maine. You have Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. He should go. I actually, quite honestly, hope Lindsey Graham just retires because he seems like he's lost all the time now because he doesn't really have a place anymore. He's not. He he can't be a fiery bigot. In all the areas, he wants to be a fiery bigot. He doesn't have the president's ear anymore. So he's kind of just like this really lost Ted Cruz type of senator. He arguably just gets elected in South Carolina because he's the incumbent. And all the benefits of corruption and whatever are supposedly there. But he doesn't actually seem that competent at anything. So he doesn't actually appear to have any power, I guess my point. Well, Lindsey Graham has lost all his power when, when he decided to turn his back on the president, right? He had pushed slam through all the stuff the president wanted first little bit. So he lost. Right. He played a game of political chicken, and that wasn't what he should have done. What about decorum? Well, guess what? doesn't matter. He lost. We're done. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No one cares. Yeah. All right. So what about after? I don't I don't really I – think, I think you do it afterwards. I do too. So if you do it afterwards – I think you drag out – Yeah, you drag yep. it out. You control the media cycle. You don't create any exposure for any potential candidate. You get to see if you win or lose. So if you win the election, you're like, oh, well, I was just a noble and whatever. If you lose, you can just be like, fuck it, we're doing whatever we want because we already didn't get elected. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? We lose the Senate. Why not? Why, why would you give up that power? Why would you give up a 20 years of influence? You wouldn't. There's no way. Do it afterwards. Because then you can say things like the Democrats are trying to stop us and you get your base even more fired up. You can probably even fundraise on all types of stuff. I mean, save our candidate, save this person, save that person. And, and at the end of the day, it's not really, there isn't a Supreme Court legal victory that the left i shouldn't even say the left i'm sorry the shitty neoliberals have that fires up the base there are two that i can think of that fire up the right but guns second amendment and abortion and those two legal cases will always get the base interested in the supreme court the right-wing base those there is no other issues the unions have lost all their power because they they are part of the neoliberal constructs now where they just, you know, it's basically voting for who the winner is so that they can get favors for some reason. Um, there's no really environmental movement anymore because it, it's been sort of shattered into a million little pieces because of all the infighting. I mean, right. I mean, you have you have no other real, real legal things fighting. To you. I mean, you have police brutality, but none of those have made it into the courts yet because normally legal stuff like an individual is an individual fight. It's not a movement fight. And so there is no fight. There's no movement around anything to in the Supreme Court. So the liberal, neoliberal or the liberal party, the Democratic Party has no real discussion points for the Supreme Court besides 
I, and I hate this term. I always say that, you know, like defending what's already the status quo, right? Resisting, which is insane. There's no, there's no fight, right? It's one thing to say to resist. There's another thing to go on the offense. They have no offense. And the right has offense. They have the, the Second Amendment, which you get emails about every day, and abortion rights you get emails about every day, and they get millions and millions of donations to protect both of those. So there's an imbalance electorally from the POV of the, the voters that are actually caring about these issues. And so you can fire up the base on the, the right side, but the base on the left side doesn't really care about the Supreme Court. They want health care. They've always wanted health care, and for some reason they can't have health care. Corporation might have their profits go down slightly so we can't have health care. Uh, so kind of setting aside the before after, I think they're going to do it after. I think uh, there isn't going to be any anybody sort of sitting on the fence about it. I think you're going to get Romney. You're going to get Susan Collins. You're going to get Murkowski. They're going to have to. They're basically going to vote for him. They're going to leave him hanging. Yeah, I, and I think they've, they've sort of politically structured the their re-election around. I think it's noble that we wait until after the election, which I think is kind of a, a last straw hope that they can somehow win by making it about the Supreme Court, them getting elected. But then if they lose, they're just going to vote for whoever the nominee is and say, fuck it, I don't care, I already lost. What, like, why? There's no reason not to. Yeah. <laughs> you. I warned you. You fucked around. You found, you found out. found out. Yep. Can the Dems do anything actually at all? Let, let's say that right now the vote's going up. What can the Dems do? Is there still a filibuster? No, because they removed it for the Supreme Court. So that means that the Dems have no options. Is there the rule about um, if your state senator doesn't approve that we're not going to put the person on the board? Yeah, that. well, that's just like a formality, handshake, convention thing. So there's no law there. There's no re- real requirement anywhere, right? Right. Okay. So the Dems have nothing they can do besides a media cycle. Are they going to be able to spend the next two months digging into some candidate that's that's randomly number one on the president's list? Maybe. But what happened with Kavanaugh? They just slammed him through. They slammed him through, even though they had witnesses after witnesses saying he was a terrible fucking human being with gambling debts. It just so happened to disappear randomly. Right. He's, he's a terrible human being. And guess what? He's also a Supreme Court justice. So Forever. That doesn't work. Forever. Until he dies. Um, or steps down. Right. So, the, I mean, the question is, is there, is, can the Dems do anything game theory wise? No. I mean, besides a full court impeachment press, is there anything they can do? There might be some niche procedural shit that they could do to delay or m- maybe like start impeachment again. So that the Senate has to prioritize like a hearing or something. I, I don't know if impeachment is like a higher order thing that requires them to act above all other priorities or something. Okay. So there's that. There's that. I mean, what else can they do? Anything? Because I think if you own the Senate and you own the presidency, you're pretty much done, right? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, okay. So there it is. We're we're pretty much uh, looking at a six-three conservative majority. Either way, there's they're not giving this chance up. Nope. Maybe Obama Obama did because he's a class trader. Uh, so is there anything else that might be sort of a little wild card that the GOP could do to sort of curry favor in one direction or the other? Uh, the only thing I could think of was before the uh, before the election, you put up a straw candidate. And uh, you vote him down, and you do it under you know these noble conditions of oh I don't I don't think it's a good idea to to do it before the election so we're gonna we're gonna vote him down he's not qualified and then after the election you just match through who who you actually want I, I think that's a risk because I don't think the GOP voter is smart enough to 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 not hold him accountable for that so the actual everyday blue collar worker isn't gonna understand the nuance of that and view that as an actual defeat. The Republicans could not mash through the their candidate. 
Okay. Bunch of fucking losers. Yep. I, I'd say that the only thing they can do is is I guess that they put up a a, a non conservative, and then the the at risk people said, "Oh no, we gonna we need a more conservative person maybe," and put on theater that way. But from my point of view, why risk a loss? Why set a precedent of losing? Yeah, I it. It would be about controlling the media cycle and if they felt that was somehow necessary or useful. Or... I think what they're going to do is they're going to bring on a female. Because we need more female war criminals. Yep. Yep. Okay. We need, we're going to bring on a family woman okay. who didn't put her career first because this is the, the construct. Who is a is down to earth, blue collar, whatever it is, but well educated, even though the right hates education, but except for lawyers, which is weird. Right. You have to go to Harvard or Yale or Columbia or one of these bougie east coast law schools so that's about it i, I mean i think the, i think the democratic party is going to have to just try to own the media cycle so they're either going to have to come up with the p tapes because that's about it just some massive fucking thing that changes everything the october surprise or whatever the october surprise would have to be the leaking of the p tapes of, of trump leaking all over prostitutes or something from like deutsche bank that just corroborates like all types of just Russian mob activity or something so screwed up that brings on 14 other senators for this not to go through. Like a closed circuit, you know, TV camera from Deutsche Bank that has subtitles on it for some reason that are like narrating what's happening. And everybody's looking at the camera and doing like a thumbs up. Yep, as they just execute children or something crazy. Even if you're facing corruption charges or federal charges, if you're not removed from office, you have the ability to vote. So charges coming down, you just hold a vote. Nothing you can do about it. You can end debate, because if you own the majority, what can you do? Change the rules. Change the rules, it doesn't matter. So if we're looking at this long term from the let's say the non conservative perspective, what is how do you how do you fix the courts long term? Well, there's this dream that people keep coming up with that day one if you own the Senate and the House and you have the presidency that you can pass some law that's gonna change the number of Supreme Court justices you can have. Um, but there's really nothing else besides championing things like, I don't know judicial reform in which they can only sit for 12 years before they have to be reaffirmed. But that's, that's long-term. That's, that's really not going to fix the courts for 20 years. So this idea of stacking the court requires the Senate to eliminate the filibuster for pretty much everything. Cause you have to get rid of the filibuster to pass a rule that everybody's going to object to, which is changing the courts, which then mean you're setting a precedent for the next president that owns all three branches to change the Supreme court the way they want to. Yep. Do you think the Dems are going to be willing to eliminate the filibuster? If if they gain this power, let's say they, they win 51 seats in this upcoming Senate election. Joe Biden wins uh, and the Dems keep the House. They they have all three branches. So first of all, let's let's ask, should they stack the courts if that happens? Yes, they should. 100%. Absolutely. I agree. It, it's it's game theory. Why would you why would you not? It, it's very rare to have all three branches. It's very rare to ha- have all three branches and maintain the filibuster. I mean, Obama did, but when he passed a new liberal solution, Healthcare. He could have stacked the courts then. He could have. That's when RBG should have retired. Yeah, they could. They could have. He could have pushed the arms of that class trader from uh, Harry Reid from uh, Nevada, and made him give it in, give in, and shut down the Senate, appoint all the justice judges he wanted to, fire the Senate back up. Harry Reid would not shut down the Senate for Obama to appoint judges. Think about that. I don't get it. And they they should have eliminated the filibuster in two thousand eight. And they should eliminate the filibuster in 2021 or whatever when they gain power next. The, the GOP has effectively eliminated the filibuster. For all intents and purposes, it's gone. 
So why why are the Dems hesitant to do so? You know, I, I think it's I think it's this perversion that the Dems, and this is this is the part that people I think need to understand is that that the GOP plays for power, and the Dems seem to play for like decorum and like respect, and it's a really weird scenario because one wants to follow the rules and then complain when the other person doesn't follow the rules and the other team doesn't play by the rules and there's no one there to tell them they they have to stop it's it's really funny because the dems keep bitching about it but nobody cares nobody cares what they do because politics is only for a small portion of the population that can afford to participate so is there any sort of imbalance with the filibuster and how the rules of the Senate work and how the demographics work that would make this sort of long-term damaging to eliminate the filibuster? Oh, yeah, because if you take a look at the electoral map right now, the Democrats do not own that many states. And the Senate is land-based. It is all land-based. And so, you know, Utah, Idaho, Montana, right, all the southern coastal states, those are all going to be conservative states. You're never going to change them. They get two votes. No matter no matter the state, how big they are, you get two votes. So somebody from Idaho, which has like 300,000 people, gets a much higher vote than someone from New York that has 8.5 billion people, right, or L.A., right? So you don't want to eliminate the filibuster. In fact, you want to go back to 67% because then it requires actually alignment from the majority of the states because the more you allow for the, the smaller states to pool their resources – I mean, the crazy thing to get I me, mean, you could have 26 conservative states, right? And they own the Senate. Yeah, and they have some nominal percentage of the actual population. Like, Yep, they have like less than 20% of the population, tiny amount. And then now 20% of the population owns the Senate. It's the same argument against Electoral College in which after 10 years, you right, it's an imbalance where California has a lot less, a lot more people per vote than, again, Idaho or Utah. So it's not one person, one vote. It's one person, some percentage of a vote of somebody in Idaho. Yep. And and so it's a it's a really crazy idea that the Senate is land-based, and not only land-based, but also that they have equal rights, equal votes. Now, that helps the small states because they get the same footing in the door, but it hurts the small or the bigger states then or the more populous states because they don't get to pass the same thing they need for their states. So you can hold up stimulus. You can hold up aid like they did in Katrina. Another place you could you could hold up the wildfire aid for the for California because why should Utah, some small shithole state, why should why should they have to pay for you know California's wildfires? They don't pay shit for taxes anyways. They're a small state that does nothing. But it's basically such a corrupt, perverted system right now because of capital that once they limit the filibuster, it's just going to be just like a fucking <laughs> wild west. They're going to be passing all types of crazy laws and it's going to go back and forth like a tennis match continuously. And it'll be kind of unstable and you'll see rapid changes where something works and gets repealed the next cycle. The good thing would be maybe people have to start participating. But the bad thing is people might not want to participate anymore because it doesn't make any sense to. Because at the end of the day, what do they have to gain? So the actual answer to solving this current Supreme Court constitutional crisis. Oh no, I'm a constitution. I'm a living document, except that, you know, it's not living if it's about guns, but it is living if it's about decorum or about Senate rules. Is that the Senate is a fundamentally non-democratic institution. And so long as it persists in that nature, it will represent the minority opinion that is the most vociferous and militant about enforcing whatever their point of view is. 
which in today's party system is the Republican. You know, and the imbalance has happened, I guess, fairly recently because it used to be the state legislatures used to vote for the senators. So as the legislatures changed, so did the senators. And so it was actually directly coupled to how the, the legislatures were behaving. But now because it's part of the statewide you know, election process, it's really hard to change incumbencies, especially when they fall in a non-presidential election cycle because they don't tend to get as much turnout. Whereas if you voted for uh, a representative who then voted for the senator, you had a much more direct line of influence. And this ties into the whole concept of the kind of American governmental system, which is a slow and fast kind of check and balance within different branches of government. So you have uh, the executive branch on a four-year cycle. You have the, the House legislature on a two-year cycle. Many of the Senate on a six-year cycle. There's different time frames because they're supposed to represent different things. And then you have the Supreme Court, which is a lifetime appointment, which is the even longer, longer time frame. So each of these branches of governments is sort of a check on each other, but then there's different time frames to sort of be a check on kind of just transient time-wise reactionary electorates. And uh, the Supreme Court is obviously the longest one, and it's designed to preserve the status quo. And we're seeing that play out. And the status quo only then preserves capital because there can never be change if it's always status quo. So what you live in now, the hellscape that you are in, we work 125 hours a day and you don't get to see your kids or even start a family because you can't afford it. This hellscape will persist because capitalism loves status quo. And this is what the Supreme Court will do until we end sort of its behavior and how it's implemented. For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.